class for another Thursday evening teaching, Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. I want to take this opportunity to welcome you, those of you who have joined us from near and far, those of you who are nationally here in the U.S. as well as internationally. As you have heard me teach you so many times before, every one of God's people must go through the university of tribulation and adversity. You are going to be tested. And tonight I want to teach you crisis management. I want to teach you biblical crisis management. Let me begin tonight's teaching by asking you, how did you manage your last crisis? Just a few days ago, just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, maybe last year, you had a crisis, a huge crisis. How did you manage that crisis? Get the wheels of your minds turning right now. How did you manage that last crisis? Or, let me ask another way, did that crisis manage you? Or did you manage that last crisis? Another question, what did you do? How long did you do it? In the last crisis, what exactly did you do? And how long did you do it for? Now the question is, did you seek help in your last crisis? Or just say, I can handle it, I can handle it. Did you seek help? Whose help did you seek? Or did you just say, I can handle it, and you handled it yourself? How did you handle it? What did you do to handle the crisis? <clears throat> And with what did you handle the crisis? What did you use to handle the crisis? What manner, what prescription did you adopt to handle that crisis? What was your first resort when the crisis came? What did you run to? What did you resort to? What did you lean on? What did you use? What did you call upon? And then what was your last resort? Your first resort and then your last resort. I'm asking you questions here tonight. I need some answers. You've got to deal with your crisis. And in the final analysis, how did it work out for you? How did the crisis work out for you? Where did it get you? Did it solve the problem? Did it solve the crisis or is the crisis still there? Is the crisis like a recurring decimal? You just can't shake it. <clears throat> you're trying your best, you're doing your best, but you can't shake it. It's more than you can handle. Well, let me tell you something. You better wake up and smell the coffee. Get woke, they say. You need more than what you used, how you handle it, and you need to listen to what I have to teach you tonight, the biblical prescription for dealing with crises. Again, all God's champions have graduated from UTA, the University of Tribulation and Adversity. Champions are not born. Champions are born again. Then they are put through UTA, and they are molded and they are fashioned by the Lord until they graduate a champion from UTA. 
Let me make it known to you tonight that you're either in a crisis right now, you're coming out of a crisis right now, or you're about to enter a crisis right now. One of the three. You're either in one, coming out of one, or about to enter a crisis right now. Your crisis and my crisis is for a purpose. It is to bring you into an encounter with Jesus. And when you come into an encounter with Jesus, like Paul the Apostle on the Damascus Road, he encountered Jesus. He had a crisis. He had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed him. He was irrevocably changed. And once you get changed from the crisis with Jesus, your life will never be the same. You'll be on a different highway. You'll be on a different plane. Let me let you understand tonight and hear this very, very clearly. Job 14 and verse 1 says, We're all born weak and helpless. All lead the same short, troubled life. Every person is born what? Weak and helpless, and we all lead the same short, troubled life. The King James says it this way, man that is born of a woman is of a few days. His life is of a few days. Even if you live to be 100 years old, it don't matter. It's a few days. And your life is what? Full of trouble. That's what the Bible says. Your life is going to be full of trouble. If you ain't going in, if you're not in one right now, don't worry. You're going to be going in one. If you're not coming out of one right now, don't worry. You're going to be going into a crisis. Crisis will come and crisis will go. Let's look at how we manage crises in Second Chronicles 20. I'm going to invite you to get your Bibles. Check Second Chronicles 20. We're going to take a look at the biblical crisis management. Second Chronicles 20. Now this was a crisis above all crises. Let me read the story to you, Second Chronicles 20. Follow me as I read. Sometime later, the armies of Moab and Ammon, together with their allies, the Munites, invaded Judah. Some messengers came and announced to King Jehoshaphat, a large army from Edom has come from the other side of the Dead Sea to attack you. They have already captured Hazazon Tamar. Another name for Engedi. A large army, 185,000 to about maybe 12, 15,000 people. That's a turkey shoot. That is what you call slavery, a massacre. They would take the women, the children, and bring them and kill the men and all the young boys. They'd make slaves out of them. They'd put them in the field to work for the rest of their lives. That's how they did it back then. So you're looking at a very, very crisis or critical moment. You're looking at death, war, bloodshed. And he, the king got the word, listen, king. And he, when, he, when he was told this, Jehoshaphat was number one, he was frightened. Fright gripped him. Fear gripped him. The Bible says he was frightened. And number two, he prayed to the Lord for guidance. So number one, the human answer is fright. Number two, he prayed for guidance. He looked up. So let's 
understand that the human reaction to a crisis is what? Fear, fright. Something is going to cause you to be afraid, troubled, anxiety. Some people go into an instant state of discouragement or depression. Some people begin to cry. Some people begin to fret. They refuse to eat. Their palms become sweaty. Cold sweat washes them. Something is happening because of this crisis. This is a life and death crisis. You're going through a crisis today. What is it? It's a situation that there is a solution for the crisis that you're going through. But you've got to take a page out of Jehoshaphat's book. The Bible answers and gives solutions from cradle to grave. Jesus has the answer for you. And he wants you to come into an encounter with him. Because your crisis is to bring you into encounter. And here Jehoshaphat had a crisis. And what did he do? It brought him into an encounter with the Lord God. The Bible says he prayed. He was frightened, prayed to the Lord for guidance. Then he gave orders for a fast. He stopped eating. Tell everybody no food. Observe a fast throughout the whole country. Every city of Judah, people hurried to the capital city, Jerusalem, to ask the Lord for guidance. So the crisis was of such a nature that they realized that it's beyond our capabilities. It is beyond human capabilities. You cannot fight 185,000 men that are armed to the teeth uh, against 12,000, 15,000 people. This is the crisis that he encountered. What is your crisis today? You've been trying to fix it all the time, and you can't fix it. You need to take a page out of Jehoshaphat's book on crisis management and crisis intervention. Jehoshaphat was frightened as the human dynamics of a crisis. A human's life is of a few days and it's full of trouble. But then he prayed to God for guidance. And then after he prayed, he called a fast. Have you prayed to God seriously, earnestly, and ask him for guidance? Have you fasted, turned down a meal and said, I'm not going to eat today. I need to hear from God. I need an answer. I'm tired of what I'm into. This crisis is more than I can handle. It's more than I can bear. So I am going to do If Jehoshaphat got an answer from God, and he got a blessing from God, God must answer me and give me a blessing like he did Jehoshaphat. My God, Jehoshaphat is dead and he's gone. He ain't got no more problems. I do. I'm going through. And I need solutions. I need answers of what I am going through. There is an answer. There is a solution. God can help me. Jesus has the answer for me. And I desire desperately the answer. Because if I don't get the answer, my life is going to cave in. The crisis is going to consume me. I will not be able to manage the crisis. The crisis will manage me, manage my life, and it will destroy me. So we need to understand that we need to come off of pride, humble ourselves before Jesus and say, Lord, I need an answer. You got it. Not coming for it. So he prayed, to, and they came and asked the, the Lord for guidance. 
They and the people of Jerusalem gathered in the new court, courtyard of the temple. King Jehoshaphat went and he stood before them and prayed aloud. He was the leader. He stood before the people and he prayed. And he prayed aloud. He did what? Exercised leadership. Every one of every adult is a leader. Whether you're a mother, a father, I'm a grandfather, you're a leader. You're people that look up to you. Children look up to their parents, mothers and fathers. Children look up to their grandparents. People around you look up to you. Who are you looking up to? Let me ask that question again. If people look up to you as a human being, who are you looking up to? Paul the Apostle said, follow me even as I follow Jesus Christ. That's the problem with leadership in America today. <clears throat> we have a tremendous amount of smart people in Washington, a very intelligent people, very knowledgeable people, very capable people, but we are very deficient in wise people. We don't have wise people in Washington. The beginning of wisdom is the fear, the reverencing, the acknowledge, acknowledgement and the acknowledging constantly of Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid that Washington is deficient in that area. And this is, the pro this is the reason why we're in the mess that we're in. This is the reason why it looks like the whole country is going haywire. They're running their own show and doing their own thing, running around like a chicken without a head. So the leader of the nation, Jehoshaphat, he led in prayer and he led and prayed aloud and he talked to God oh Lord God of our ancestors you rule in heaven over all the nations of the world you are powerful and mighty and no one can oppose you God this is what he told God what was that humility I need you you rule the whole world you're the boss I'm just a little peon a little nothing in your sight he says, you are our God. He made claim to God. You're my God. I'm your child. You're my father who is in heaven. I need you. This is who I am and this is who you are. Look down upon me, your child. You cannot neglect your children. And he goes on, he says, when your people Israel moved into this land, you drove out the people who were living here and gave the land to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, to be theirs forever. They have lived here and have built a temple to honor you, knowing that if any disaster struck them to punish them, a war, an epidemic, or a famine, then you, they could come and stand in front of this temple where you are worshipped. They could pray to you in their trouble, and you would hear them and rescue them. So what does he do? He goes back to the Lord in the midst of this crisis and says, God... We're in a crisis here. This is what you said. This is what you instructed us to do, and I'm doing it exactly by the book. You know what it means to do it by the book? The book says, the manual says, do it this way. You can't do it the other way. Jesus, the Bible says, this is how you got to do it. This is what you are to do. This is how you approach God, and this is how we got to do it. This is how you manage a crisis and not have the crisis manage you. This is how you begin to defeat the crisis and have, and don't have the crisis defeat you. And if you're not doing it this way, the crisis will defeat you. 
The crisis will kill you. The crisis will take you out. Crises come from Satan, the master of all crises. God allows us to encounter the devil because what he wants to do, he wants to bring out the warrior in you. There is something deposited in you, yes, that makes you different, and God wants to bring it out of you. But the only way he can bring it out of you is allow you to go into the crisis. Now, you all know my testimony. I told you my testimony several years ago in 1988. The Lord allowed me to go in the deep end of the pool. I was demonically attacked. It was a life and death attack. I should have been either one dead or number two in the nut house today. But praise the Lord, I'm neither dead or in the nut house. I'm standing tall with Jesus. And I'm preaching his wonderful name and his everlasting word. Hello. And I want you to understand that the crises that have come upon you that you're going through is not to destroy you. The crisis is to mold you and make you a better man or a woman than you are right now. You're nothing but a piece of clay in the hand of the Lord. He's going to slap you. He's going to mold you. He's going to hit you. He's going to put you on that wheel. He's going to spin you and mold you into what he wants you to be. You're in his hands. It's molding time. Jesus has said, I've paid deposits in you. There are some great things in you. You're called by me. I've got a destiny for you, and I'm going to bring that destiny out. You have not begun to scratch the surface in prayer. You have not begun to scratch the surface in intercession with God. You have not begun to even read his word and study his word to see what he's got for you. My God, I had a rude awakening today because I thought as much as I read and I study. And by the way, every day I bring on the daily briefing at 12 noon on this line. 12 noon every day. I have to prepare as if I'm preparing for a Sunday morning service. Searching the word and preaching and teaching and bringing out things to, to bring on so I can bring out the message that God would have to give from his word to let the people know that in spite of all the crazy stuff and all the, all the tribulation, nasty stuff that is swirling around us today, Jesus is with you. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't get anxiety. Don't get depressed because he's still in control. He's not in heaven sitting on a throne drinking Malox and saying, oh, my God, look at what these crazy people are doing down here. No, he is still in control. And those who are plugged into him are in total peace and in total control. Who are you plugged into during your time of crisis? Are you plugged into Jesus? Or maybe you think you are, but the connection is not sure. Come on now, if you plug that phone in, your cell phone or your laptop, and it's not the plug is not fully connected in the receptacle, it's not going to charge because the connection is not being made. You've got to make sure it's plugged in and snug and a connection is made, then it will charge your phone or your laptop. A laptop or a phone without a charge is no better than a paperweight. It has absolutely no use. And a human life without Jesus is absolutely no use either. And a human life 
trying to manage a crisis without Jesus and the Word of God is no use either. It will not be effective. It's not going to work. You see, man might have a solution. Yes, God bless man, and a solution is okay. But you cannot fight a spiritual problem with physical applications. Now, Granny always said it this way, you've got to fight fire with fire. You've got to fight the spiritual with the spiritual. You've got to fight with the Word of God. You've got to fight through the Spirit of God. You've got to be submitted to Jesus. And Jehoshaphat was submitted to God, and he led his people. And he spoke to God on behalf of his people. And he began to speak to God. He said, this is how they repay us, Lord. This is what they're do, doing. They have come to drive us out of the land that you have given us. And he declares in the 12th verse, Second Chronicles 20, you are our God. And he said what? Punish them. Whew. You mean we can tell God punish them? Well, he did tell them punish them, God. The Bible says vengeance belongs to who? The Lord. And he will do the payback. We can tell God, God, we can't punish. We can't pick up sticks and stones, guns and bullets and do anything. So God, you let us see your vengeance upon them. Let us see your punishment upon them. But don't let them kill us. You are our God. We are helpless in the face of this large army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. We don't know what to do. But we look to you for help. And this is what Jehoshaphat, the king, the leader told them, are you a mother? You can tell the Lord, Lord, I need help with my children. I need help in my home and my family. Are you a father? You tell the Lord the same thing. Take a hold of my children, my wife. You're the head of the house, by the way, fathers. Head of home, head of marriage. And I was teaching my son, you're the priest in your house. And just as you would defend your family, if an intruder came in your house, you would defend your wife and your children is the same way you must defend them with prayer, with the word of God. Lead your family in prayer. You don't have to be uh, someone who prays like me or don't try to pray like anybody else. But just read a scripture over your family and say, Lord, I thank you for preserving us and keeping us. Bless my children. Bless us and keep us. Amen. Until the Lord lead you to pray more than fine. But bless your family. He goes on, he says, All the men of Judah with your wives and children were standing there at the temple. Men, women, children, men, women, children. Do you see that? The men first, wives and children second, standing there at the temple. Men are called to lead their families. In prayer, men are called to lead. The head of the house, the head of the marriage is a man. And if your wife is acting as the head, then you have a headless marriage. Come on, get your wife from being the head, and you be the head if you're a man. You're the head of the house. Husband, be the head. You be the leader in prayer. Manage the crises that is either there now, coming, are you what you're coming out of? Manage the crisis in the spiritual manner. And don't let the crisis manage you and manage your family and manage your home and manage your children and manage your wife. We are managers of crisis, not, not uh, objects to be managed by a crisis. Let me make that plain. 
We are the managers of crises, not objects to be managed by the crisis. The Bible says that when they prayed, the Spirit of the Lord came down upon a Levite who was present in the crowd. His name was Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. He was a member of the clan of Asaph, and he was descended from Asaph through Mataniah, Jael, and Benaiah. Jehaziel said, Your Majesty and all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, the Lord says that you must not be discouraged or be afraid to face this large army. The battle depends on God not on you. The battle is the Lord's, not yours. So don't own it. Don't own the battle. It's not your battle. It's not your fight. But what belongs to you? Just as Jehoshaphat did, he came together in prayer and he interceded with God. That's what belongs to you. That's how you manage your crisis. And when you do what Jehoshaphat did, fasted, sought the Lord in prayer, came before God, brought all the men, the women, and the children before God in the temple, you will get what he did if you do what he did. Guess what? God had to respond because he absolutely positively looked at God and said, God, we don't know what to do. This battle is not ours. This battle is yours. We are looking to you. We can't do anything against this great and mighty army. And God responded. The battle depends on God. It belongs to God. God owns the battle, not you. And when you use the word of God, God will take up and God will perform his word. And how many times have you heard me say, begin by re declaring, reciting every day, Psalm 91, and let God know he is my God. I'm depending on you. That's how you manage crisis. Throw the crisis in the hands of God. The Bible says what is impossible with man is possible with God. For with God nothing shall be impossible. It is impossible for you to fix it. It is impossible for you to do it. You cannot fix it. Had you been able to fix it, you would have fixed it a long time ago. Wake up and smell the coffee. Crises belong to God, and crises must be managed by going to the Lord in prayer. And I don't care how you did it back when, because what you did back when, if you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result, it ain't going to work. And if you keep, do, keep on doing it, say, I can handle it, it's not going to work. And if you keep doing what you're doing, you're just going to get deeper and deeper in the crisis and sink like you're in quicksand. The more you struggle in the crisis, is the more you're going to go get swallowed up, just like quicksand. You're hearing what I'm saying. When you look up to the Lord and lift your hands unto him and say, I surrender, uh, you lift your hands, he'll pull you out of the quicksand. He'll grab a hold of your hand and he'll pull you out. He's a crisis destroyer. He'll destroy the crises that you're going through. I don't care what your crisis is. Crisis is sickness. Crisis is whatever. Family crisis, personal crisis, money crisis, whatever it is, he's a master of fixing crises. He's a crisis managing Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Nothing is impossible for him to manage. You can check me out. 
All the crises I've been in and been through could have been dead about seven times, but praise the Lord, he solved the crisis right on time, and death couldn't touch me. I have a host of testimonies I can give and tell you how he led me out of my crises. And every one of you that had an experience with him can give me some testimonies. And I can tell you how many times I could have died. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But death couldn't touch me. Why? Crisis manager Jesus was on patrol. He was on line. He was in charge, on duty. I want to let you know today that that same Jesus is ready to manage your crisis for you. Man born of a woman, his life is of a few days, and it is full of trouble. Are you calling on Jesus? Are you giving him the crisis? Are you giving him your life so he can keep you out of all the potential crises that come along in life? And by the way, we're living in the tribulation era where as one crisis is over, another one comes. They talk about coronavirus the other day. Then all of a sudden we see the, we see the protests coming, the murder of an innocent man and the protests. And now they're talking about a second wave of the coronavirus. And they're talking about the Sahara uh, a dust coming. And God knows what's in the Sahara dust. And the Lord revealed to me that there's going to be some microbes, some pathogens in there that's going to cause some people to get boils. And it comes from the Bible because we're in the tribulation time. Boils on their skin, ulcers on their skin. Pathogens, bacteria, sicknesses are going to come because of what? Breathing in this dust. Where does this dust come? The Sahara. Part of Egypt is the Sahara Desert. Thousands upon thousands of people have died in the Sahara Desert from many diseases from of old, and they seem to have been eradicated. But when when you look at the, 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 the dynamics of a, of, a, of a dust cloud like this, what they call a haboob, and you see how the wind comes and cheers up the sand and brings up everything that's in the sand and lifts it and brings it 20,000 plus feet in the air and takes it like a huge cloud and take it from Africa, northern Africa, the Sahara Desert, and brings it over the Caribbean and over, um, bringing it over America. You wonder, my God, this is, must be the hand of God. And because of all the rebellion against God, God is going to have the last word. We must understand that crisis, we are living in a time of crisis. When one crisis is over, the book of Revelation tells us, another crisis begins. This is the time of tribulation. How will you manage the crises that will come in your life and happen around you? You better learn how to manage it by using Jesus, the crisis manager, and his word. God began to tell Jehoshaphat, you don't have to fight this battle. This is not your fight. Take up your positions. Wait, and look what the Lord will do. Look at how God will give you the victory. Do not hesitate or be afraid. Go out to battle, and the Lord will be with you. Stand your ground. Get up valiantly and begin to pray and decree my word. When God spoke to him, he said, Yes, the crisis manager, the general of all generals. 
Jesus general is in control. So all we got to do is just go out. And then you know what he told him how to do? You tell him, take the praise team and put it before your army. And let the praise team begin to sing. Now all they have to do is sing, praise the Lord for his love is eternal. The Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Understand this is a stupid, stupid thing to do. You don't put a praise team, a bunch of singers before an army. You put army to army. But with God, again, the foolish things, God uses foolish things to confound wise and prudent men. God said, put the praise singers before your army. And when they began to sing, verse 22, the Lord threw the invading armies into a panic. He sent terror among 185,000 men. The Ammonites and the Moabites attacked the Edomites' army and completely destroyed them. And then they turned on each other in savage fighting. What do you call that? Friendly fire. The first biblical incident of friendly fire. They destroyed themselves to the last man. God threw them into a panic. Listen carefully. Listen carefully when I tell you this. Some of the things you're going through in a crisis, it's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it can only be solved by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you understand that? God will send his spirit and fix it for you. And that's what he did here. That's what he did. He caused the Moabites and the Edomites and the Ammonites to attack one another. Friendly fire, they turned one on the other and they destroyed each other. And his little 12,000, 15,000 people did not have to break one little fingernail. Do you understand that? And all they had to do was just to sing, praise ye the Lord, the Lord is good. And his mercies endured forever. All they had to do was just praise the Lord. But you know, Bishop, that don't sound, that doesn't sound logical, really. That doesn't sound as if it's something that's logical. Well, listen, we don't deal with a logical God. Our God, there's nothing logical about God. Do you understand what I'm saying? God doesn't operate by logic. God is God. Nothing is impossible to him. He can fix it for you. He can fix anything because, you see, all he has to do is intervene and all he has to do is will it. When you begin to praise God, God will fix it for you. God does not operate by reason, human reason or human logic. I've often taught and I've often said one plus one with God can be 11. But one plus one with human beings is two. Two plus two is four. But with God, two plus two could be 22. That's how God multiplies. That's how God works. He's beyond human reason. And he is beyond human logic. But God wants us to do what? Reason with him. He wants us to speak to him, talk to him, converse with him. He wants us to call upon him, and he said what? Call unto me, 
And what does he say? He said, I will answer you. And when I answer you, I will demonstrate my power to you. I will show you great and mighty things that you'd known it of. I will blow your mind. My miracle working power is of such that you ain't seen nothing yet. And I know we see some things in the Bible and we hear some stories in the Bible and we see what the Bible says that eyes have not heard, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither had entered into the mind of man the good things that God has in store for them that love him. And that is a reference not only to when we get to heaven, but while we are still here on earth, because some things have not yet been seen by man. God has still new revelations and new miracles to do, to do before man. He can do it, and he will do it. And when certain crises come up, God will step in. There was a crisis with Moses as he left about three, three and a half million people out of Egypt. They came to a place called the Red Sea. There was a huge mountain on the left, another huge mountain on the right, 90 degrees up. And Pharaoh's massive army was behind them. Crisis. And when God, he intervened, he went to the crisis uh, solver. And he intervened with God. God says, boy, stretch out that rod you got in your hand. Stretch out that piece of stick, boy. Stretch it out. Moses stretched out a piece of stick. And the Bible says God caused an east wind to blow all night. And by morning when he looked, there was a passageway made over the sea, the Red Sea. And they walked across the seabed on dry land. No muck. No nothing to bog down your feet. No muck. No anything. Dry land. He made a highway on the seabed and they crossed the Red Sea to the other side. And when Pharaoh looked and he says, hey, if they went over, we can go over too. The stupid boy looked over on one side, he saw a wall of water. And he looked on the other side, another massive wall of water. And he said, we're going over. Let's charge. And they went over. And while he was in the middle of the sea, God told Moses, Moses, I'm going to let you in on what I'm doing. Here's what you do. Stretch your rod over the sea again. When Moses stretched out his rod over the Red Sea again, what happened? The sea closed in on Pharaoh and buried 600-plus chariots and all his men at the bottom of the Red Sea. And by the way, the archaeologists have found the chariot wheels encrusted with barnacles at the bottom of the Red Sea, okay? The crisis manager is in control. Nothing is impossible with God. So when you come to your crisis, understand that God has a solution. God has an answer to the crisis that you're facing, the crisis that you're in, the crisis that you're trying to go through, the crisis that you're coming out of or the one that you're about to enter in. We need to understand that when you're in contact with God, he will know how to lead you. He will not allow you to be buried in the crisis. The crisis can destroy you. Or the crisis can harden you, temper you, and make you better than you are right now. Because he'll bring it true. Good people will go through crisis with Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. God don't have nobody down here perfect. The only perfect person is Jesus Christ. 
To see, you've got to have a resolution of your will. I'm going to go true. You've got to have some humility. I'm going to humble myself before Jesus. And I'm going to do what Jehoshaphat did. I'm going to call on the Lord. I'm going to praise him. Call on him. I'm going to fast and pray and say, God, I can't make it without you. I'm going to do like even Moses did at the Red Sea. Calling God and say, God, if you don't come true, we're dead. Three and a half million people, we're dead. He's going to kill us and take many of us back to Egypt with us, and we're going to be slaves for the rest of our lives. Crises. When Moses left there and he went to a place called Marah, they, they needed water. And when he went to a pool of water, the scouts found out that the water was stagnant, not potable. The water was stagnant. It would have made them sick. It would have killed them. Stinking, stagnant water. Crisis. What did God do? God said, Moses, tell one of your boys to chop off a branch of this tree over here. The tree symbolizing the cross that Jesus Christ would hang upon and throw it in the water. When it threw it in the water, the water became potable, nice, fresh, clear spring water so they could drink the water and not get sick. Crisis. What's your crisis today? What is your crisis today? Hmm? The Lord can fix it for you. He can turn it around for you. Understand that Abraham, Father Abraham, went through crises. Jacob went through crises. Elijah, Elisha, all God's people, David, Paul, they all went through what? Crises. They needed a crisis manager. They needed crisis management. And when they turned to the Lord, he became the crisis manager for them. He solved the problem. He fixed the crisis. He changed the situation, turned it around for them, and gave them the victory. Now I want to tell you as I close that our crisis manager is still on patrol. He's still on duty. But it's up to you to call on him. He is ready, willing, and able to work for you. But you've got to put him to work. Do you know that God wants you to give the battle to him just as he asked, as, as, just as Jehoshaphat said, the, he told Jehoshaphat, the battle is not yours. What's that telling him? Give the battle to me. It's not your war. It's not your battle. The fight is mine. Because you cannot fight this battle and win. You can't fight it on your own. Give it to me and let me fight for you. That's what the Lord is saying. The crisis you're going through, even though you got to go through it, I am your crisis manager. And I can bring you through. So no matter what your crisis is, personal crisis, family crisis, marital crisis, children crisis, job crisis, health crisis, whatever your crisis is, Jesus is saying, I'm your crisis manager. Don't resort to the beggarly elements that you did back when. Don't try to fix it yourself. You can't fix it. Get back on your knees in prayer and the release, the declaring, the recital of the word of God. Humble yourself before God. Back it up with fasting and tell the Lord, Lord, 
I know you're going to come true for me. Because if you don't come true, I'm a dead man or I'm a dead woman. I will not be able to make it. What is impossible with me is possible with you. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. The crisis manager. And that crisis manager wants to intervene so desperately in your crisis situation. The Bible says he knows what you're going through and he knows how you feel. He's a God that is touched by your feelings and your infirmities. So no matter what you're going through, he knows. He knows. And that's the reason why I wrote this book and wrote several books, Bible Code 7, and give you a strategy, crisis management strategy, self-preservation strategy, self-defense, Bible Code 7. That's what it's all about. Handling your crisis the biblical way. Telling the Lord, Lord, it's not my fight. My God, how many times have I told you when I begin, I, I finish coding at night, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, I go, I'm going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I love, good, I love a good fight. I love to speak the word and get intense and passionate with declaring the word, Psalm 91 or any other word the Lord gives me. And I begin to release it, and I begin to pray furiously and intensely with passion, fervency, the Bible calls it. And when I'm done, guess what? I'm going to bed, Jack. I'm going to bed. I'm going to sleep. And when I hit the pillow, ho ho. I sleep and I sleep sound. The Bible says he giveth his beloved sleep. We're going to worry about anything. The battle belongs to him. I'm not going to give him the battle and take it back and say, no, God, I don't know if you're going to fix it. No. Uh, so I got to take it and worry about it. Me? Worry? Absolutely not. What worry? Me have anxiety? No. From the days I was an atheist, I used to say, and this too shall pass. Troubles come, and I used to speak to it. This too shall pass. Where in the world you ever heard of an atheist boy speaking the word of God? And by the way, I read that several years ago while I was an atheist. Solomon, words of Solomon, this too shall pass. And I, I put that in my memory box. So anytime troubles come, guess what? This too shall pass. And I was an atheist, full-blown atheist. Didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the Bible, didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm looking at situations, this too shall pass. And they passed. How much more now? I'm a child of the king. I'm a Jesus freak. And crises come. Before they even come, I look at the Christ, I say, you will not even come near me. I speak to crisis. Crisis don't even come near me. Go this side, go that side, go, go to somebody else's house, but you ain't going to come to my house. You're not coming near my wife. You're not coming near my children. You're not coming near my grandchildren. You're not coming near the flock of God. I speak to crisis. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? Jesus is standing on my side. He is fighting my battles for me. And while I go from day to day and moment to moment, Jesus is right before me. I put him out front. Hello. I don't put him in the back. I put Jesus right up front. I say, you go before me. Because I don't know what's coming for the next moment. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. 
So you go out front, Jesus, and you fight the battles, and you lead me in truth. So when you're out front, no crisis can come. Because you're going to handle all them, and you're going to lead me. Isn't that what the 23rd Psalm says? The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherds lead sheep. I am a sheep. I'm the sheep of his pasture. And because he is my shepherd, I shall not lack. There shall be no lack. He leads me in green pastures and beside still waters. He restored my soul. And he lead me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So we, in times of crisis, must bring Jesus back into the leadership position. And we must bring ourselves back into what? The followership position. Let him lead and we follow. Put Jesus out front. Don't lock him up and put him in the back burner, put him in the back closet. No, put him out front. Say, Jesus, you belong out front. You lead. You're the shepherd. Lead. You're not going to lead me in any danger. So you go ahead and lead. I'll follow. And that's the essence of managing crisis and keeping crises away from you. When King Jehoshaphat did what he did, the Bible says there was a fighting. And when they looked and they saw the, the enemy, they were all lying on the ground dead. Not one had escaped. God took care of every last one of those enemies. 185,000 enemies. He killed Every last one. I close with this. I tell you this. Look, 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 look. One of the first tenets of spiritual warfare is that somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to be a victor. Somebody's going to be the victim. Somebody's going to be the winner. Somebody's going to be the loser. Somebody's going to be dead. Somebody's going to be left alive. In this story that the Bible tells us, yes, it's in your Bible, 185,000 people, enemies, died. They died. God killed them. How did God kill them? He made them kill one another. They were dead. <clears throat> but God's people lived. Well, let me tell you something. I shall live. I shall not die. Hallelujah. And I will declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. And with long life, Psalm 91, verse 16, God is going to satisfy me, and he's going to show me his salvation. Listen, these are the words of the Lord, and I grab it, I, re, I, I, re, I declare it over me, I declare it over my children, my grandchildren, I declare it over you. But if you don't want to hold on to it, if you don't want to declare it, that's up to you. I'll still declare it over you, I love you. But I'm just trying to get you aroused. I'm trying to get you fired up. So you begin to fight for yourself. So you begin to get the crisis manager, Jesus, on board. Get him in the position where he's out front and managing the crisis for you. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. But now until Jesus returns, have yourself a fabulous night. And remember, put 
the crisis manager in control, full control of your crisis. God bless you.